0: Welcome. This is David Barris, President of the American Association of Bank Directors, host of ABD's Calling All Bank Directors podcast. Today we have as our guest Dr. David Skanderson to discuss what you need to know currently about redlining. Dave is a Vice President at Charles River Associates. He is focused on issues related to consumer credit, underwriting, pricing, marketing, and servicing with a specialization in fair lending, redlining, and non-discrimination matters. Please let me know if you have any follow-up questions by contacting me at dbarris at aabd.org. All right, let's call Dave. Hello, Dave. Hi, David. Welcome to ABD's Calling All Bank Directors podcast. Today's subject is what bank directors need to know about redlining. Charges of redlining by banking agencies, uh, justice, and community and consumer groups can be highly detrimental to a bank's reputation and expensive to defend. So I think this is a very important subject, and we appreciate your joining us today. Sure. Good to be here. Uh,
1: Dave, to start
0: off, what is redlining?
1: So um, most basically, you can think of redlining as lender behavior behavior that unjustifiably denies credit or limits credit in neighborhoods that have a largely minority population. Um, it's actually essentially a, a legal term that refers to a specific form of illegal discrimination in which a lender provides unequal access to credit or unequal terms of credit because of the the race, the color, the national origin, or other prohibited characteristics of the the people who live there in the neighborhood. And uh, it's considered to be a violation of a couple of federal statutes, the the Fair Housing Act um, and the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, and also might be a violation of some state statutes.
0: Dave, what what are some of the signs of redlining that regulators look for?
1: So when, when regulators are either examining a bank or other financial institution for potential redlining or conducting an investigation, what they're looking for usually is various kinds of either direct evidence or circumstantial evidence that suggests that the lender is denying access or restricting access to credit in minority areas. So for example, um, they may look at whether where the branches of the bank are located. Does the bank have branch offices mainly in predominantly white areas or also in minority areas? Um, they look at a bank's Community uh, Reinvestment Act assessment areas. So the CRA assessment areas define areas that the bank has Uh, committed to serve. And so they look at whether those CRA assessment areas include minority areas or maybe potentially avoid minority areas. Um, They look at whether the lender is actually lending in minority areas. Um, Are they lending or failing to lend to borrowers in predominantly minority areas? Um, They look at policies and procedures of the bank and Statements by bank personnel, any indication that the bank might effectively uh, write off minority areas as not being good credit risks or not having good uh, opportunities for lending, uh, something that might be based on uh, generalizations or invalid presumptions about the people living in those neighborhoods. Um, they also look at advertising, so whether banks are uh, advertising in minority areas to the same extent they're advertising in largely white areas. Um, do they have any practices that tend to discourage uh, folks in minority areas from applying for a loan? Uh, and do they disproportionately deny credit to borrowers in minority areas compared to borrowers in largely white areas? Um, and then, you know, wh- whether uh, banks might grant credit on less favorable terms in minority areas than in other areas. So a whole host of different indicators that they might consider.
0: Why should bank boards be uh, interested in redlining issues at this point?
1: Well, um, I guess quite simply, redlining and access to credit tend to be Continual areas of focus for consumer protection regulators and uh, the Justice Department, just as they have in the past, um, also seems to me likely that the new civil rights movement that we're seeing now could put additional focus on redlining, uh, partly because concerns about redlining discrimination relate very closely to the effects of historical discrimination, residential segregation, and economic inequality, which have been Key focus of the new uh civil rights movement, so to speak um, and you know if if you think about a bank's mission, particularly a community bank, um, often part of the bank's mission is to effectively serve their communities, and so I think there are just reasons based on general business motivation for banks to care about redlining but if you think about sort of negative motivators um, As you mentioned at the top, uh, there could be serious impacts on the bank if you have a redlining issue. Um, So, you know, you mentioned reputational risk, but also there are are big financial costs if a bank has to deal with redlining investigation uh, or enforcement action, respond to very voluminous regulator requests for information, and then possibly uh, go to a settlement which becomes public and therefore creates reputational damage. Um, but if you think about some of the financial costs involved in uh, settling a redlining matter and in some of the matters that we've seen uh, in recent past years, they include you know, multi-million dollar civil penalties, um, requirements to open new branches or loan production centers in minority areas, um, requirements to invest in Nonprofit home ownership initiatives provide grants to community groups, um, make loan subsidies available in certain areas, fund financial education programs, um, you know, do target advertising. The list, the list kind of goes on, but there are just huge costs involved if you get uh, involved in one of these issues.
0: Dave, um, has there been much regulatory activity recently around redlining?
1: Well, there has. I mean, it's been a historical focus of the bank regulatory agencies, Justice Department, uh, HUD, that is Housing and Urban Development, and the CFPB. Um, It's been my experience that the regulators all continue to examine financial institutions for potential signs of redlining in their their regular supervisory examinations. Um, And they also investigate complaints, uh, which might come from consumers or Uh, consumer advocacy groups, they might come from whistleblowers. And uh, regulators expect that financial institutions are going to have their hands around the issue. They're going to be monitoring themselves for evidence of potential redlining. Um, In just the recent past couple of years, we've seen a few redlining uh, enforcement actions publicly. Um, For example, in 2017, the Department of Justice Settled with a bank in the Minneapolis area over redlining allegations. Uh, Settled with another bank in uh, 2019 in the Indianapolis area. Uh, Also in 2019, um, Department of Housing and Urban Development reached a conciliation agreement between uh, a California bank and the California Reinvestment Coalition regarding a redlining complaint. And then most recently this year, in, in July, there was a complaint filed by the CFPB against a Chicago-area non-bank mortgage company uh, alleging discrimination, uh, discriminatory redlining. So um, there, there have been just sort of a regular flow of these cases coming up over the years. Um, the most recent case, the one against the mortgage company, is interesting in that Historically, we've typically seen redlining investigations and uh, settlements focused on banks, and this was against a non-bank, and it relied exclusively on the CFPB's authority to enforce Equal Credit Opportunity Act, whereas um, a lot of settlements in, in the past against banks have leveraged both the Equal Credit Opportunity Act and the Fair Housing Act, and to a certain extent also the Community Reinvestment Act, and and that's because banks have CRA responsibilities. They're required to define assessment areas that they'll serve, and they're required to meet the needs of all parts of those assessment areas. So um, usually in past settlements, the agencies have leveraged CRA requirements to allege that either a bank was not fully serving all the areas of its uh, assessment area, including minority areas, uh, or that it was designing its CRA assessment areas in such a way to exclude nearby minority areas. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that we see uh, now some uh, possible actions against non banks, um, but it's not surprising those are happening because the CFPB, uh, Justice Department, HUD have all articulated their belief that uh, the uh, prohibitions on redlining apply just as much to non-banks as they do to banks. Um, There just may be different approaches in how they uh, decide to enforce it.
0: Well, Dave, um, I'd like to reserve the remaining questions for our next uh, podcast uh, episode, where we're going to get into how bank boards can identify early on if there is an issue with redlining that they can identify and also resolve quickly and effectively and uh, other issues relating to that. So I wanted to thank you very much for joining us today, and we'll continue in the next episode.
1: Great. We'll Talk again soon.
0: Thanks. Thank you.